Welcome to the African History Network show right here on 910 AM, the Superstation, the Future Radio. I'm your host, Brother Michael M. Hotep. It is Monday, August 16th, 2021, and we are live. We're halfway through the month of August. It's been a very, very busy day today. Had to teach an online class before coming on the air today. So uh, we have a lot to talk about. We had a great show Sunday. I'm almost finished editing. Uh, well, I'm finished editing Sunday's show. We're going to rebroadcast that. Uh, we rebroadcast these shows throughout the day on our Facebook fan page, The African History Network, The African History Network, and my YouTube channel, Michael M. Hotep, I-M-H-O-T-E-P. All right, so uh, on today's show, you know, we've been talking about the uh, results, initial results of the 2020 census. The initial results came out on uh, Thursday, August 12th. And we've been going through uh, discussing the decrease in the white population for the first time since 1790. And uh, the white population overall dropped 2.6%, dropped down to 191.7 million. It dropped by 5.6 million. Uh, first uh, time the white population has dropped since the census was first taken in 1790. Um, so there's information also coming out about the numbers in Detroit. And the African-American population in Detroit uh, has dropped from the 2010 census, but the African-American population in certain suburbs has grown dramatically. We'll talk a little bit about that today. Deadline, um, DeadlineDetroit.com has some information on that as well as the Detroit News. We'll discuss that. And then there was a piece uh, that I, I wanted to talk about on Sunday's show, and we did not get a chance to get to it. Uh, this, this is from the Associated Press. It deals with five takeaways from the 2020 census, five takeaways from the 2020 census data. Okay, so we'll talk about that as well. And and on yesterday yesterday's show, one of the things I talked about is how the census data is also tied to congressional districts, uh, representation in the House of Representatives, as well as the uh, electoral college. How many seats in the uh, how many electoral college votes states have? That's all tied to the census. The census also deals with the reallocation or redistribution of $1.5 trillion in resources as well. So the census is extremely, extremely crucial. Okay, so we'll talk about that. But then um, we know that the coronavirus is, is surging uh, over, the, the U.S. is averaging over 110,000 new cases per day. Uh, but COVID-19 hospitalizations for Americans in their 30s has hit an all-time high. Um, the Huffington Post has an uh, article dealing with this, and I've been seeing information uh, dealing with how the Delta variant is really hitting people in their 30s and 40s and causing many of them to be hospitalized. So COVID-19 hospitalizations for Americans in their 30s has hit an all-time high. Um, and then I've been looking at, so in the South, we know it's back to school time for, uh, 
a lot of states. Florida went back to school. Georgia's back to school. So I've been monitoring some of these things. We know in uh, Florida, I think it was, it's, um, it's hundreds of students had to be had to be quarantined, sent home to quarantine because of a COVID uh, outbreak. But in uh, I'm looking at this uh, piece here from Fortune.com dealing with Atlanta. Um, two weeks after opening Atlanta schools, two weeks after opening Atlanta schools report 4,000 COVID-19 cases. Two weeks after opening Atlanta schools, which is in Georgia. Now, Georgia has this dumbass governor, Brian Kemp, Republican, Trump supporter, who stole the gubernatorial election from Stacey Abrams in 2018. Just remember this election has consequences. When you have idiots in elected office, people die. When you have idiots in elected office, when you have people, dumbasses, president, governor, things like this, people die. Okay. So two weeks after opening, Atlanta schools report 4,000 COVID-19 cases. Now, if we look at this here, um, if we look at this article, let me scroll down here just a second. All right. Where is this here? Okay. Uh, if we look at this here from fortune.com, schools opened in Atlanta metro area on August 2nd. August 2nd. And that was a Monday. Now, just two weeks later, the number of COVID-19 cases among students and faculty has exploded to nearly 4,000. Faculty answered nearly 4,000 cases. The start, the startling numbers gathered by the Atlanta Journal-Constitution show just how rapidly the virus is spreading in the state of Georgia, where you have an idiot as governor. And administrators are quickly rethinking their plans with 10 districts suspending in-person learning already. Now, the changes come so fast that some teachers aren't, con aren't conducting live online classes, instead only posting assignments for children to complete. Statewide, 1.7 million students attend public schools in Georgia. Despite the growing numbers, many parents in affected districts are still voice, voicing opposition to mass requirements for school children, defying a growing national trend. See, monkey, see, monkey, do. See, it, okay, let me, let me just continue. Fulton County, where Atlanta is, is making masks optional, but Atlanta public schools are requiring masks. See, this is what happens when you have poor leadership. They should have mass mandates in Georgia. It, it's when you got dumbasses like Trump supporters in Georgia. You, you have to have mass mandates. So you have teachers, you, so you have parents at, 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 at uh, voicing opposition to mass requirements. If you don't want your children to wear a mask in class to protect themselves and other children and teachers and staff so you don't take coronavirus home and kill people, keep your damn children at home then. If it means so much to you, keep those little children at home if you don't want them to wear a mask because your dumb ass is going to get people killed. That's just, that's just, that's just the bottom line. Two, Atlanta, Atlanta schools have been open for two weeks and you already got 4,000 cases of coronavirus? 
Come on. Come on. So, you know, <laughs> I'm sitting here. I'm like, come on. You, you, you can't be this stupid, but apparently they are. All right? You can't be this stupid, but apparently they are. Okay, so let's continue here. Um, so we, so we'll, we'll talk about that. Then I was on Roland Martin and filtered on Friday. Okay, and um, we spoke with uh, a uh, we spoke with uh, Doctor Alexia, Alexia Gaffney. Okay who is a uh, uh, virologist. I think she's a virologist. But she was giving a lot of good information about coronavirus, okay, and the Delta variant. I'm going to share an excerpt of that interview uh, also. All right, now, so we'll talk about that. We'll also give an update on Haiti. Uh, we know Haiti suffered from a 7.2 magnitude earthquake on Saturday. Uh, it's uh, more than 1,300 who have been reported dead. And at the same time, Haiti is uh, bracing for uh, tropical storm Grace that is hitting Haiti uh, as well, okay? So we'll give you a brief update on what's taking place uh, there also. All right, now, on the African History Network show, we focus on educating, empowering, and inspiring people of African descent throughout the diaspora and around the world. Because right now it's correct your own behavior, what you do for yourself, what you do to yourself, and what you allow other people to do to you and get away with is based upon what you think of, think about yourself. What you think about yourself is based upon what you have been taught about yourself. What you've been taught about yourself is based upon everything you've read, heard, and seen about yourself. So when you control the radius of a man or woman's thoughts, you can control the circumference of his or her actions because the mind can't do or teach what it doesn't know. Now, we do it a number of different topics here on the African History Network show. Uh, we deal with current events in history, politics, education, economic empowerment, entrepreneurship, love, sex, health issues, relationships, and much, much more. Sign up for our email newsletter. Text the word Kemet, K-E-M-E-T, the 22828. To sign up for our email newsletter, text the word Kemet, K-E-M-E-T, the 22828. To sign up for our email newsletter. Also visit our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. Uh, you can still register for the new 10-week online course I teach on uh, Saturdays. We had a great class uh, this past Saturday from the Civil War to the Civil Rights Movement and Black Power, uh, 1865 to 1968. From the Civil War to the Civil Rights Movement and Black Power, 1865 to 1968. Okay, we deal with approximately 100 years of uh, a little more than 100 years of history and deal with history uh, right after the Civil War ended, in the last year of the Civil War, and right after the Civil War ended, and uh, we go through and analyze a ten-week, a ten-year period of history, uh, each class to understand what happened to us, what happened after the Civil War ended, what were the laws and policies that put in place, how we got into this predicament we are in now, to understand where we need to go from here. Visit our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. We do the classes live. All of the sessions are recorded. All the sessions are recorded. As soon as you um, register, you can watch uh, this past Saturday's class and you can watch classes one through four as soon as you register. 
And uh, this is a this is a fantastic class. Uh, you can watch from around the world. Even after the class is over with, uh, you'll still have access to the course. You can still watch it. Uh, click on register here and then click on enroll. Class is regularly $130 on sale, $80. All right. That's at AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. And we'll post a link here as well. Okay. Uh, let's jump in. I want to jump into this uh, first story here dealing with uh african-american population in uh detroit when we look at the census numbers the african-american population in detroit has declined um deadline.com is a good article that they uh, about this they picked it up from the detroit news black population drops in detroit and grows dramatically in suburbs and grows dramatically in suburbs now while uh detroit and michigan's african-american population uh, declined in the past decade, declined in the past decade, the latest U.S. Census uh, number shows that African-American residents have become a majority uh, in two more Detroit suburbs, have become a majority in two more Detroit suburbs, the Detroit Free Press reports. Now, the uh, rapid growth of African-American residents in the Wayne County uh, community of Harper Woods and Wayne County is also the county that Detroit is in. The rapid growth of African American residents in the Wayne County community of Harper Woods, as well as the Macomb County community of East Point, helped fuel this change. More African Americans also moved into other suburbs, including nearby Warren, Michigan, the state's uh, third largest city. We're going to continue this on the other side of the break. We'll also deal with five takeaways from the 2020 census. We'll look at some nationwide trends. Uh, the the uh, country is becoming more diverse. Uh, also, we see skyrocket. We see a decline in children being born as well. The U.S. is becoming more urban. Rapid growth in unexpected places. Also, we see losses in Puerto Rico and in uh, West Virginia. We'll deal with this on the other side of the break. We'll give you an update on what's going on in uh, Haiti as well. And we'll talk about why COVID-19 hospita hospitalizations for Americans in their 30s has hit an all-time high. You listen to the African History Network show, 9, 10 a.m. Superstation, the future radio. I'm Michael M. Hotel. We'll be back in a few minutes. Gain knowledge in minutes from insightful summaries of progressive and socially conscious books. Blacklisted gives you access to curated content that'll satisfy your curiosity to learn and understand different perspectives. Empower yourself through inspirational and actionable ideas. It's easy to read or listen to on the go. Blacklisted. Empower yourself. Start your free trial today. Black on Purpose Television Network. Yes, Black on Purpose Television Network. All black, all positive, all the time. The largest black-owned streaming television network in the world. Bringing our people together worldwide. Controlling our messages, our stories, our way. Black TV the way it should be. Black music, black history, and more. 30 plus channels, thousands of shows. Black on Purpose Television Network. Subscribe now. 
and few for racial demands. So racism is a power structure. It was laws and policies that put us in this predicament. It's going to be laws and policies that take us out. So you control the radius of a man or woman's thoughts. You control the compass of his or her actions because the mind can't do it. from breaking one minute. No. We have it all on 910 AM Superstation. For 910 Okay. We got Diana, Judy, Becky, and Duca, Robert, John Ray. Nine ten, the superstition, Detroit's only African American talk radio. Welcome back to the African History Network show right here on 910 AM, the Superstation, the Future Radio. I'm your host, Brother Michael M. Hotel. It is Monday. August 16th, 2021, and we are live. Hope everybody's doing well. Uh, calling number is 313-778-7600 is the call-in number. If you, have a, if you have a question or comment, 313-778-7600 is the call-in number if you have a question or comment, all right? Okay, so right before the break, we were talking about, we're continuing our discussion from uh, we talked about this Thursday Thursday show when the numbers came out, dealing with the census. Also on Friday's show, I was on Roland Martin Unfiltered on Friday. I think we talked about the, I can't remember if we talked about this some on Friday, Roland Martin Unfiltered. But we, I did Roland Roland show for two hours Friday, then, then we did this show Friday night. Uh, but we talked about this on our Sunday show because we were on Sunday for two hours, 9 p.m. to 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So go back and watch um, Sunday show, and we'll be re-airing it because I just finished editing the show it took me a long time i spent most of today editing um yesterday's show all right and there'll be an audio podcast format of monday morning also or tuesday morning okay so if you go back to this piece here from deadlinedetroit.com uh black population drops in detroit and grows dramatically in certain uh suburbs now more african-americans uh, also moved into other suburbs, including nearby Warren, Michigan, the, the state's third largest city. Now, much of this is due to uh, African-Americans in Detroit moving to uh, suburban communities with affordable housing and good and good schools, said Kurt Metzger, a demographer who is uh, Pleasant Ridge's uh, mayor. Pleasant Ridge is a little suburb uh, of Detroit. Uh, quote, here we have communities that border the city and which and which saw large numbers of African-Americans moving in uh, the last decade when more than 180,000 plus African-Americans left the city of Detroit. OK, and a lot of this has to do with gentrification in the city of Detroit, uh, rent increasing, especially in downtown Detroit, rent increasing. Uh, property values and the cost, cost of homes, things like this increasing and people moving to nearby suburbs uh, for better school districts and more affordable housing. Now, they have found, Kurt Metzger went on to say, they have found the suburbs to be welcoming and have uh, continued to move in. Now, the census showed that the African-American population um, in grew 58% from 2010 to 2020 in Harper Woods, Michigan, another city outside of Detroit, the suburbs, Harper Woods, Michigan, and 89% in East Point. East Point is on the other side of Eight Mile Road, 
East Point, Michigan, uh, the Free Press reports. Now, East Point is interesting because East Point used to be called East Detroit. They changed their name back in like 1989, something like that, because they didn't want to have anything to do with the city of Detroit. <laughs> East Point used to be called East Detroit. All right. They were a totally separate city. They changed their name to East Point because they did not want to be associated with the city of Detroit. <laughs> and then <laughs> and black people from Detroit moved out to East Point. <laughs> So, uh, okay, so um, African-Americans comprise 66% of Harper Woods population in 2020, up from 45.6% in 2010, and East Point is about 53% African-American. That's funny, because <laughs> 30 years ago, East, East Detroit changed their name to East Point because they ain't had nothing to do with Detroit. Now, nah, look who's out there. Okay, <laughs> Guess who's coming to dinner? I wonder if they're barbecuing on the front porch. But anyway, <laughs> anyway. <laughs> so East Point is about 53% African-American, up from 29.5% in two, 10 years ago. 10 years ago, East Point, that 30 years ago, changed their name from East Detroit because it was a predominantly white suburb and they didn't want nothing to do with the city of Detroit. 10 years ago, East Point was 29.5% uh, African-American. Now they're majority African-American, 53%. Okay. <laughs> now the number of African-Americans in Detroit went from 82.2% of the population of 2010 down to 77.2% of the population of 2020, while the white, Asian, and Hispanic populations grew. And people, we, we saw that coming. This, this, this is what I warned people about. I told y'all back in like 2013, if Mike Duggan became mayor, I told you Gentrification was going to accelerate in the city of Detroit and African-Americans were going to be pushed out. And I was correct. Now, suburbs that already that were already majority African-American before the census include Southfield, Michigan and Oak Park. Uh, check out this piece here from DeadlineDetroit.com. Black population drops in Detroit and grows dramatically in certain suburbs. This is from August 16th, 2021. Uh, DeadlineDetroit.com. They picked this up from the Detroit Free Press. So we'll post this link here. 313-778-7600 uh, is the calling number if you have a question or comment. Now, I, um, I wanted to look at this piece. I wanted to talk about this Sunday, but we have so much to discuss on Sunday's show. Um, Associated Press has a good, uh, a good piece. Uh, five takeaways from the release of 2020 census data five takeaways from the release of 2020 census data. And this uh, gives us this information in a snapshot. We're going to go to clip one here in just a second, uh, Shakita. So cue that up from Roland Martin Unfiltered, please. Um, and you know, the main article we talked about dealing with the census is from the uh, Washington Post. So a really good piece here. Census data shows widening diversity number of white people decline uh, for first time. So read this piece here from the Washington Post. This is from August 12, 2021. Census data shows widening diversity, number of white people falls for, for uh, number of white people falls for first time. But if we look at uh, where is that here? Let me pull this up from Associated Press. Uh, five takeaways 
from the release of the 2020 census. Uh, the white population declined for the first time on record. Now, the Census Bureau Thursday issued this long-awaited portrait of how the U.S. has changed. And let me see why this isn't coming up. Just a second. Okay. So they released this on uh, August 12th. And number one, the number one uh, takeaway that they show is that the uh, white population declined for the first time on record. Okay, here, this is what I want right here. Uh, as U.S. headcount has been carried out every decade since 1790. So the first census was taken, um, the first census was taken in 1790. As uh, U.S. headcount has been carried out every decade since 1790, and this was the first one in which non, in which the non-Hispanic white population nationwide got smaller, uh, shrinking from 196 million to in 2010 to 191 million in uh, 2020. And we're going to blow this up here so you can see this. Let's flip over to this here. It wasn't coming up properly from the Associated Press. This is from Cox.com, C-O-X, Cox.com. They picked it up from the Associated Press. Now, the one of the things that's really important to understand, and not, not a lot of people know this, is that the data from the census will also shape how will also shape how $1.5 trillion in federal spending uh, is allocated. Okay, just saying we lost our connection to the station. Let me reconnect. Stand by. Yeah, this is Michael. We lost our connection. This is Michael. Okay. All right, we're back. Uh, Skype dropped the call here. Okay. Uh, one of the things that people, a lot of people don't know is that the data from the census is used to reallocate $1.5 trillion in federal spending. Okay. That comes from the census. Now, we see that uh, the white, the, the head count has been carried out every decade since 1790. The census has been taken since 1790 when the first census uh, happened. And uh, the white population dropped from 196 million in 2010 down to 191 million. It's the first time the uh, overall number of white people dropped uh, in the history of the census. The Data also showed that the share of the white population fell from 63.7% in 2010 to 57.8% in 2020. Okay, now, uh, the people who identify as a race other than white, black, Asian American, Native American, uh, Native Hawaiian, or Pacific Islander, either alone or in combination with uh, one of those races jumped to 49.9 million people, surpassing the African-American population, which is at 46.9 million people. 
okay um and people and these the, these are those that identify as a multiracial okay we saw those who identify as biracial or multiracial increase also the african american population increased 6 6% up to uh 46.9 million now the us is becoming more urban also uh, almost all of the growth of the past 10 years happened in metropolitan areas. Almost all the growth in the past 10 years happened in metropolitan areas. More people in smaller counties moved to larger counties. More people in smaller counties moved to larger counties. Around 80% of metropolitan areas saw population gains, while less than half of the smaller or so-called micropolitan areas saw population gains. Phoenix, Arizona, Phoenix, Arizona was, was the city with the fastest growing population of the nation's top 10 cities, Phoenix, Arizona. Phoenix moved from sixth place to fifth place, trading places with Philadelphia, which is now the nation's sixth largest city. Um, the, the census numbers also show a decline in children and uh, the share of children in the U.S. declined because of falling birth rates. While it grew for adults driven by aging baby boomers, adults over 18 years old made up more than three quarters of the population in 2020 adults over age 18 made up three quarters, more than three quarters of the U.S. population in 2020, or 258 million people, which was an increase of more than 10% from 2010. However, the population of children under 18 dropped from 74 million in 2010 down to 73 million in 2020, a decrease of 1.4%. Now, we also know that in June of 2018, the U.S. Census released a um, they released a memo that talked about how white people had a negative birth rate in 26 states out of 50, 26 states out of 50. This was in June of 2018. New York Times has an article uh, dealing with this that uh, talks about uh, more uh, deaths than births. OK, more deaths than births. And they attributed that a lot to the opioid crisis. And what that memo from the Census Bureau said was that two years prior, the uh, white people had a negative birth rate in 17 states out of 50. And then in 2018, it was 26 states out of 50. Okay. And all this is leading towards the year 2045 when um, white people will no longer be the majority population in this country. You have some people who are scared to death of this. For other people, you know, for some white people, this is not a problem. For others, they're pushing a the big lie in uh, state legislatures trying to maintain power, okay, trying to pass these voter restriction bills, especially in places like Texas, because Texas is 83% non-white, which kind of makes sense because Texas used to be part of Mexico. If you understand the history of Texas, Texas used to be part of Mexico. And then Texas came into the union in 1845 as a slaveholding state. Imagine that. 
but you know go back it was what was it may when i dealt with um i, I did a show dealing with slavery in the mexican-american war mexican-american war of 1846 uh, to 1848 and how colorado arizona new mexico California, Utah, and Nevada came to be part of the union because that was all Mexican territory. And and Europeans wanted to take over the entire North American continent. And, and the Mexican-American War came about because of a territorial dispute. Okay, go back and watch that show. We'll maybe talk about that again uh, soon because with Texas trying to suppress the teaching of slavery in in schools in Texas, you know, is like, well, wait a second, you came into the union as a slave holding state. You ashamed of that now? Your Texas state constitution, 1876, had the purity of the ballot box clause because you didn't want black people voting. So you all of a sudden you all ashamed of that now? You you don't want nobody, you don't want anybody to know about that. Is that, is that what you're trying to is that, is that what you're trying to tell me? You don't want anybody to know about that. Uh skyrocketing Hispanic and Asian growth is something that we also saw. The nation's 7.4% growth rate. Uh, over the decade, the smallest since the Great Depression. So the overall population of the U.S. grew by 7.4 percent over 2010. That's the smallest growth since the Great Depression of the 1930s, which makes sense. Largely propelled by uh, a Hispanic Latino boom, the Hispanic pop population grew by almost a quarter over the decade from 2010 to 2020. By comparison, the non-Hispanic growth was 4.3%. Hispanics stood at, or Latinos stood at 62.1 million residents in 2020, or 18.7% of the U.S. population, up from 16.3% of the U.S. population. African Americans um, are at 12.1%, pretty much staying steady at 12.1%, but our overall population increased by 6%. Uh, read the rest of this here at uh, cox.com, cox.com. Explainer five takeaways from the release of 2020 census. Okay, this was originally picked up by uh, Associated Press. Well, this they that originally came from the Associated Press. Okay, you'll hear more about the census numbers. You'll hear more panic. You'll hear more fear of the browning of America, the fear of a black planet. Uh, you're gonna hear a lot more of that as well. All right, COVID 19 cases. We're seeing an explosion of hospitalizations for Americans in their 30s. It's hitting an all-time high, okay? Now, when I do these stories, I ain't trying to scare anybody. We deal with informing people. Proper documentation ends all conversation. We, we're not trying to scare anybody. But when you have uh, school children, 4,000 cases between children and uh, staff, in Atlanta schools in two weeks. We're going to go back to that story in just a minute. Because, see, I'm, this is what I've been saying. This stuff, I said this, I think it was Friday. It is either last Friday or Friday before last on Roller Martin Unfiltered. This stuff is about to explode. Because if, it, if, if, the, if the cases of COVID-19 were already exploding before children went to school and you were already at about 120, 130,000 new cases, depending upon which week, wait till they go back to school. And you got adults and children and you got idiots like Governor Ron DeSantis of Florida and Governor Brian Kemp of Georgia and uh, uh, Governor Greg Abbott of Texas who, who are against mass mandates in schools. Wait till these children go there 
and you're going to have an explosion. These schools are going to become super spreaders. This is what's going to take place. And now we're seeing hospitals being overran. Now we're seeing in certain states, in certain counties, they have to turn away people who want surgery, turn away people who want elective surgery. Okay, this is and when, you, when you have idiots in elected office, people die. But this is an example of how elections have consequences. So if we look at this piece here from um, Huffington Post, okay? Huffington Post has an article, uh, COVID-19 hospitalizations for Americans in their 30s hits an all-time high. Let me pull this up here. And uh, we're going to go to that clip in just a second, Shakita. So this is from August 15th, 2021. August 15th, 2021. Let me pull this up here on the big screen. So COVID-19 hospitalizations for people in their 30s has reached a record high in the U.S. In the latest evidence... The latest evidence that the dangerous Delta variant of the disease poses formidable risks for younger age groups. Now, the Center for Disease Control Convention reported a total of one hundred and seventy thousand eighty two hospital admissions of those aged 30 to 39 for the beginning of August 2020 to last Wednesday. The number of daily admissions based on a seven-day average, jumped from 908 the week beginning July 29th to 1,113 the week starting August 15th. That's a 22.6% bounce. So the number of daily admissions based on a seven-day average went from 908 uh, the week beginning July 29th to 1,113 hospital admissions the week starting August 5th, okay? That's a 22.6% increase, and it's still climbing. Now, hospitalizations for children suffering from COVID-19 also hit a record high with 1,902 uh, children in hospitals across the nation on Saturday, uh, August 14th, according to data from the Department of Health and Human Services, uh, Reuters.com reported. This is hospitalizations for children suffering from COVID-19. Now, children currently account for about 2.4% of all COVID hospitalizations in the U.S. Now, only are more children being affected in this wave of the disease, but they're experiencing more serious symptoms. They're experiencing more serious symptoms, according to several reports. Children under 12 are not yet eligible for vaccinations, making them more vulnerable to the illness. Then you got idiotic governors that won't do the right thing and impose mass mandates, which puts children in jeopardy. The children take it back home to their parents. They take it home to their grandparents, okay? They take it back home to their brothers and sisters. And what happens, schools become a super spreader uh, facility. Now, Sally Goza, former president of the American Academy of Pediatrics, said this is not last year's COVID. This is not last year's COVID. This one is worse, and our children are the ones that are going to be affected by it the most. Now, despite the terrifying new risk to children, a number of dumbass Republican governors 
and state legislatures are banning mass mandates at schools because governors like Ron DeSantis wants to run for president and he wants to appeal to idiotic Trump voters, but he don't realize it's going to be less Trump voters to vote for you because they're dying of COVID because you're too stupid to tell them to wear a mask. And state legislatures are banning mass mandates at schools and refusing to promote vaccinations to the adults who surround them, even though their Lord and Savior Donald Trump got vaccinated. Which don't even, your Lord and Savior Donald Trump got vaccinated, but you won't. Now, personally, I hope you don't, but I'm just saying, you know, I'm just saying, wait a second, your Lord and Savior Donald Trump got vaccinated, but you won't. Okay? Now, you know, and then, you know, you're not even going to try to preserve your life and wear a mask. Okay. And, and, and preserve the lives of those around you. All right. Now, if you're that dumb, well, that's on you. I'm just saying that don't even make sense. Now, the, the, the new clearly susceptible age groups represent a major change from the first wave of the pandemic when the elderly were by far the hardest hit by COVID. That may have given those in their 30s a false sense of security and a relaxed attitude about safety precautions like wearing masks and maintaining social distance. Social distancing. Okay, read the rest of this article here from uh, Huffington Post and we see that, uh, where are we we at? Hundred uh, new infections in the nation are surpassing 123,000 each day. Uh, so we have 123,000 over 123,000 new cases of coronavirus each day, based on a, a seven-day average, according to John Hopkins University. Um, okay, so check this out and let's see. The seven-day average of daily COVID deaths in the U.S. reached 645 on Friday, almost doubling in two weeks to hit the highest point since May of 2021, Bloomberg reported. Read this piece here from um, Huffington Post. COVID-19 hospitalizations for Americans in their 30s hit all-time high. Okay, uh, Shakita, let's go to this clip here quickly. This is from um, Roland Martin Unfiltered. This is from Friday, August 13th. And we were speaking with Dr. Uh, Alexia Gaffney. Uh, and we were talking about uh, coronavirus. Okay, let's go to this clip. All right, all right. Uh, Dr. Alexa uh, Gaffney, thanks for coming on today. Question for you. Can you talk about how the uh, mRNA technology is not new, the technology that the uh, Moderna vaccine is based upon um, and the um, the other vaccine? Can you talk about how that's not new technology? One of the apprehensions that people have is they say that uh, the vaccine is rushed. Now, I think uh, Trump naming it uh, warp speed, the whole project warp speed, I don't think that helped it. Yeah. Uh, Can you you talk about that? And also with the Delta uh, variant, um, why is the the transmissibility so much more higher than with the um, coronavirus strains we were dealing with in 2020? Sure. So as far as the production of these vaccines, um, remember, COVID-19 is SARS-2 coronavirus. And there was SARS-1 that happened well over a decade ago. And SARS-1 was not as transmissible, but much more deadly 
than COVID-19 even. And so they have been working on vaccines back then. So that, that didn't become a pandemic. So that epidemic sort of petered out over time. And so that was kind of shelved technology that they pulled back out because they recognized that, listen, we have these mRNA vaccines or we have this mRNA technology that we can utilize. And all we have to do is get the genetic code for um, the COVID-19 virus for SARS-CoV-2 and apply that genetic code to this mRNA-based technology that we've had in the works for decades. And we can utilize that to make vaccines that would be effective to fighting the virus that causes COVID-19, SARS-coronavirus-2 or SARS-CoV-2. So uh, this is not new technology. This is technology that has been in place and has been used for other modalities as well, like cancer treatments and therapeutics. So we are just using old technology or, or we basically have just taught an old dog new tricks in terms of, of application of this type of research and this type of vaccine technology to a new virus and a new infection. And the beautiful thing about mRNA vaccines is that you can produce them very quickly. Unlike a flu vaccine, where you're essentially growing a viral culture, um, that can take months, almost a year, to produce a vaccine. So because the technology allows for quicker production of the vaccine, we're better positioned to potentially end this COVID-19 pandemic because we don't run into issues with, you know, the time we need to produce these vaccines. So it's old technology that has been manipulated for a new current situation. So it's not like COVID came on the scene in China in October of 2019, and now, and now all of a sudden the work started. That was, was work technology research that was already being done, and the only reason it was the it was we were able to bring the vaccine forth is because the rate at which people were getting infected, right? When you had millions of people per day getting infected, you can reach your endpoint of your clinical trial very quickly. It's not like if somebody was trying to make a new measles vaccine, let's say, since measles is always part of the vaccine conversation, right? You see measles cases so infrequently, it would take you years to figure out if your new measles vaccine was effective because you don't really see cases that often. So you don't reach a clinical endpoint um, as quickly as you do when literally millions of people around the world are being diagnosed with the infection you're trying to prevent with your vaccine. So a lot of healthcare dollars, a lot of federal dollars, a lot of dollars worldwide were thrown at this research, which funding is often an issue. You had multiple parties involved. And people need to remember, like, not every vaccine that was research was brought to market, right? They started with over 150 vaccine candidates that lived dwindled down to 26 or 28. Then we had like a top seven contenders and here in the United States, we have three of those seven available to us. There are other um, vaccine candidates that are available in other parts of the world that the CDC and the FDA said, you know what, that's not for us. We're gonna stick with these three and we'll continue to see how it goes. And that's very promising and very reassuring. So I want people to remember that not every vaccine candidate that um, was researched um, came to human clinical trials. Some of them were weeded out before then, and not every vaccine was determined to be safe and effective for use. So the three that we're using are what was determined.
determined to be most suitable for use in American people. And, you know, this is based on old as well as new vaccine research data. Right. Okay, pause it right there, uh, Shakita. Okay, so that was Dr. Alexia Gaffney Adams. She is actually a medical doctor. Unlike a lot of dumbasses you see on social media, don't know what the hell they're talking about, just trying to get uh, clicks and likes and whatever else. Uh, she is a general infectious disease doctor. She actually went to medical school. Uh, go watch. We're going to post a link here to that entire show because that, that's just an excerpt of the interview we did with this sister um, on Roland Martin and Filter. That's from uh, Friday, August 13th, 2021. And we'll post the uh, link here. You can watch that on YouTube, uh, Roland Martin on YouTube and uh, Roland Martin on Facebook also. Uh, let me see. We got that link here for the entire show i'm gonna post this here uh yeah that was fda okay okay uh yeah that's from uh the august 13th edition of roller martin and the filter so it was an excellent interview we did with her those watching on facebook and youtube keep watching uh we're going to keep broadcasting for a couple more minutes we'll squeeze in this information dealing with uh haiti and i want to go back to the story dealing with the uh students in atlanta uh, register for the new 10 week online course I teach on Saturdays, 3 p.m. to 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time from the Civil War to the Civil Rights Movement and Black Power, 1865 to 1968. Uh, visit AfricanHistoryNetwork.com and register there. Also, I will have a vendor booth in Peck Park at the 38th Annual African World Festival, Friday, August 20th through Sunday, August 22nd. Uh, we'll post updates on our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. I'll be in the Peck Park area of the African World Festival at the Charles H. Wright Museum of African American History. Right now, it's correct your own behavior. It's not over till we win. Wakanda forever. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Peace. All right, stand by, stand by. Okay, we're going to keep going for a couple more minutes. Let me squeeze in this information. I'm going to go back to this story here from, uh, uh, I want to go back to the story from Atlanta. Okay. And yeah, uh, those in Detroit area, I'll be at the African World Festival all three days, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Uh, we'll have a vendor booth there. I'll have my DVD lectures. We'll be registering uh, people for the, um, registering people for my online courses also. And then uh, Detroit Rocks the Runway will be on Friday. It starts at 8.30. We have Piper Carter from Detroit Rocks the Runway. Uh, fashion show at the Charles at the uh, African Wolf Festival. We had her on the show yesterday So go back and watch Sunday show Sunday, uh, August 15th show, but I'll, I'll have a vendor booth. I'll be out there all three days, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, August 20th through the 22nd. Uh, this is at the Charles H. Wright, Charles H. Wright Museum of African American history, the uh, 38th annual uh, African world festival. All right. Uh, I want to go back to the story here. We talked about uh, at the beginning of the show, and then we're going to uh, get this information in on Haiti and get out of here because I had to teach a class today. Two weeks after opening, Atlanta schools report 4,000 COVID-19 cases. So uh, schools opened in Atlanta metro area on August 2nd. Now, just two weeks later, the number of COVID-19 cases among students and faculty has exploded to nearly 4,000. 4,000 cases. Okay. Now this isn't 
4,000 students that had to be quarantined because like 20 people got COVID-19. This is 4,000 cases, nearly 4,000 cases of COVID-19. There's a difference because see in, in Florida, they had to send home hundreds of students and things like that because to be quarantined, but everybody didn't have COVID. Here, these are cases of COVID. Now the startling numbers gathered by the Atlanta Journal-Constitution show just how rapidly the virus is spreading in the state, but it, it don't spread as much as stupidity though. Stupidity is a bigger virus. Stupidity spreads faster than the Delta variant, okay? Okay, stu stu stupidity is about as fast as Shakari Richardson, all right? <laughs> That's how fast stupidity is. And administrators are quickly rethinking their plans with 10 districts suspending in-person learning already. Now, this is just me, okay? <laughs> this is just, if, if you don't have mass mandates in in-person schools, why would you open the school back up and coronavirus cases are surging in like 48, 49 states? If you're not going to have mass mandates, why the hell would you open the schools back up? That don't make sense to me. I'm sorry. You know, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't have a master's in education. I'm not a doctor, but it's, I'm like, wait a second, hold on. Coronavirus cases are surging all across the country. You're dealing with the Delta variant, which is, which the transmissibility is much greater. It transmits much easier and it's infecting children. With that being the case, if you're not going to mandate masks, why would you send the children? Why would you open the schools back up to children? I mean, you're just asking for trouble. So the change has come so fast that some teachers aren't conducting live online classes, instead only posting um, assignments for children to complete. Now, statewide, 1.7 million students attend public schools in Georgia. Now, despite the growing numbers, many parents in affected districts are so dumb that they're voicing opposition to mask requirements for school children. I wonder who they voted for for president. I'm just curious. Defying a growing national trend. Okay, I wonder how many of them watch Fox News all day and, and OAN and Newsmax. Now, Fulton County, where Atlanta is located, is making uh, masks optional, but Atlanta public schools are requiring masks. Now, the suburbs, now, Atlanta public schools, so that makes sense because Atlanta's where a lot of African-Americans are, and they're like, look, we ain't trying to die now, okay? We want to, <laughs> that makes sense to have, wear mask mandates, to have mask mandates. Now, the suburbs of Decatur, Clayton County, DeKalb County, Douglas County, Gwinnett County, and Henry County also are requiring masks. Henry, Henry County switched to a mandate only last week. It reported 822 individuals in quarantine on Monday. Now, at least two districts in the area have delayed the start of school, uh, have delayed the start of, of the school year. That makes sense to me. And some, such as Ware County, W-A-R-E, Ware County, have suspended class operations entirely 
as a result of the high number of cases. Students are not expected to return there until September 7th. Okay, now, because it makes sense that to, to have classes online at least till, I mean, you get this under control. And when you got an idiotic governor like Brian Kemp, I mean, come on. This is the guy, I mean, come on. The, the CDC's headquarters is down the street from Brian Kemp's office, and he's this stupid. The CDC is headquartered in, 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 the, in Atlanta. It's down the street from Brian Kemp's office, from, from Brian Kemp's office. You, you remember when um, last year when Brian Kemp said, when they found out, what did he say? He, he said they found out that it could be transmitted. I can't remember if he said through the air or something like that. He said it was a game changer. It's like, dude, the CDC, their headquarters is down the street from you and you don't know this. Many other school districts, which previously said they would not post data on COVID cases or offer contact tracing, has since reversed their policies. So you have some school districts that said we're not going to do contract contact tracing. So it's like if uh, Johnny gets COVID, we ain't going to call the other kids' parents and say, look, Johnny got COVID. You, okay, you need to quarantine. We're not going to do that. We're not going to. We're not going to do contact tracing. It's like, it's like what do you think is going to happen? Uh, Georgia has been a hotbed for COVID-19 in recent weeks, you think? The state's seven-day rolling average topped 6,000 on Friday. The worst it has been since February 1st. Okay, Georgia has been a hotbed. See, see now, let's just go, let's just back up for a minute. In 2018, when Stacey Abrams was running for governor, you had some African-Americans in in, in, in in Georgia who said they were not going to vote for Stacey Abrams because Stacey Abrams didn't have a black agenda. I talked to some of them on my Facebook page. But your dumb ass let Brian Kemp get elected, and Brian Kemp has an anti-black agenda. So how'd that work out for you? And then Brian Kemp signed SB202 in the law. Okay, Senate Bill 202, the voter restriction bill. Brian Kemp has an anti-black agenda. Like I said before, a pol policies don't have to say black or African-American to benefit you or to harm you. This is why you have to look at the, the this is why you have to look at the candidates' platforms. You have to look at their policies. You also have to look at their judgment. Stacey Abrams is much, is much smarter than Brian Kemp. Now that's not saying anything. Brian Kemp is dumb as a bag of rocks. But when you have somebody who's an idiot like that as governor, that's dangerous. You're going to get people killed. Georgia has been a hotbed for COVID-19 in recent weeks. The state's seven-day rolling average topped 6,000 on Friday. That's for new cases. The worst it has been since February 1st, 2021. More than 4,200 people have been hospitalized with healthcare officials warning they are running low on beds and staff. Not just beds, they're running low on staff. People act like people act like the staff at hospitals like don't get tired, don't get sick, don't suffer from PTSD, you know, don't have breakdowns. They just keep running like the energizer bunny or something like that. So in Georgia, they're 
more than 4,200 people have been hospitalized with healthcare officials warning they are running low on beds and staff. More than 87% of the state's ICU beds are in use and over 40 hospitals statewide are turning away patients. Now, there was um, a segment uh, when we were talking to Dr. Alexia Gaffney on Friday, uh, Roland Martin Unfiltered. There was a clip that um, the the whole the uh, Roland was at the uh, Roland was at a funeral, okay, for his aunt, and uh, Amisha, the sister um, who's on, uh, she does news in Michigan. I forgot which city she's in, but she was sitting there for Roland. She played this clip of this guy who was talking about how his his wife had to be discharged from the hospital and his wife, she was um, she was in the hospital for something. It wasn't for COVID, but his wife had to be discharged from the hospital to open up beds for COVID patients coming in. And he was at saying the question, he, he was asking the question, he was saying, look, if you don't want to take the vaccine, okay, well, that's on you. But why you go to the hospital for treatment if you don't want the vaccine? If, if, you, if, you, get, if you don't want to take the vaccine, then you get COVID, why are you going to the hospital for treatment? He's like he's he's saying like okay if you don't trust the vaccine then why are you going to the doctor to get treatment for COVID just to keep your ass at home because now because you didn't want to especially people who didn't wear masks now I'm not talking about people who I'm not talking about children who can't get the vaccine I'm not talking about people who because uh, I have a friend who uh, she has allergic reactions to medication so she can't take the vaccine I'm not talking about that okay but it's like wait a second if you don't want to get the vaccine because you don't trust the science then why are you going to the doctor when you get sick with COVID why don't you just stay at home because now you're taking up a bed in the ICU for somebody who really needs it so more than 87% of the state's ICU beds of Georgia are in use and over 40 hospitals statewide are turning away patients Governor Brian Kemp has resisted calls to mandate vaccines or masks because he's an idiot. The Governor Brian Kemp going to get a lot of people killed. I'm just telling you right now. He's a dumbass. This is what happens when you let an idiot who's against science, who's a Trump supporter. OK, this is what happens when he becomes governor. Read the rest of this article here. Two weeks after opening, Atlanta schools report 4,000 COVID-19 cases. August 16, 2021, Forbes.com. We'll post the link here. All right. Lastly, let's just do this quick update on uh, Haiti, and then we've got to get out of here. So there's a, there's a piece here from uh, – there was one from – what was this? There was one from Washington Post. Uh, so we're – over 1,400 
uh, people who have been killed by the 7.2 magnitude earthquake. There were 15 aftershocks, at least 15 aftershocks also. We talked about this on yesterday's show. Uh, aid workers scramble. Aid workers scramble to save Haiti earthquake victims as storm barrels in. Uh, rescue workers and doctors with little equipment worked feverishly uh, Monday to save victims of the massive earthquake in southwestern Haiti as a powerful storm, uh, tropical storm Grace, threatened to unleash flooding and further snarl aid efforts. Heavy rain started dousing the country on Monday afternoon, creating yet another crisis for exhausted, newly homeless people who needed shelter. Officials estimated that Tropical Depression Grace would dump five to 10 inches of rain on the region by Tuesday. The U.S. National Hurricane Center warned that um, Tropical Storm Grace, while downgraded from a tropical storm, could still cause flash flooding and mudslides in Haiti and the Dominican Republic. We're pleading for help. Marie Helene La Esperance, mayor of the uh, harbor town of Pastel, uh, told Haiti's Pacific uh, Radio, every house was destroyed. There's nowhere to live. We need shelters, medical help, and especially water. We've had nothing for three days and injured victims are starting to die. Now, I want to go to this uh, clip here from uh, NBC Nightly News. Let me cue this up here because we ran out of time on 9, 10 a.m. The Superstation WFDF. We had it queued up there. Uh, Haiti hit by a serious storm after deadly earthquake. So just give me a second here. Let me cue this one up. Okay, an urgent, rel uh, an urgent relief effort is underway after a powerful 7.2 magnitude earthquake hit Haiti about five hours south of Port-au-Prince. The Haitian government says more than 1,400 people were killed and thousands were injured. Now tropical depression grace is drenching the region and uh, raising concerns. Okay, we're going to go to this clip here in just a second. All right. This is Lake High, the largest town to bear the brunt Saturday, southwestern Haiti tonight, mangled misery. This is Lake High, the largest town to bear the brunt of Saturday's monstrous earthquake. This used to be a massive five-story hotel. An untold number of people died here, and right now the search and rescue mission is over, and a demolition is underway. The 7.2 magnitude quake was more powerful than the 2010 catastrophe that killed an estimated quarter million people. But this one hit a much less populated area, about five hours south of Port-au-Prince. Still, the Haitian government says more than 1,400 people are dead. At least 6,000 are injured, many crushed by collapsing buildings. So many families displaced, with more than 37,000 homes damaged or destroyed. And now, as Tropical Depression Grace drenches Haiti, concerns about new mudslides, with so many communities already cut off. This is near the earthquake's epicenter, and people here are desperate. This hospital is overwhelmed, and they've set up beds outside with men, women, and children hooked up to IVs under the hot sun. 
Some of them are still searching for family members days after the quake. The children are perhaps most striking. Their anguish matched only by their parents' confusion. Patience is thin here, and so are the medical supplies. This woman cries as she tells us her daughter's in pain next to her and rescuers pulled her grandson from the rubble alive. This man with a broken arm hopes he's evacuated to Port-au-Prince. U.S. Coast Guard is helping with that. A constant flow of the injured in agony, but out of the epicenter. Magali Noel Dresse says her cousin's home collapsed and killed her. Today she waited to evacuate her uncle. This region's future, uncertain. I know it's going to be very tough. And uh, we have to stay strong because we have a, a vision to build. Even days after the quake, the locals here are still living outside of any structure that's still standing for fear of aftershocks. Authorities are still assessing the scope of this disaster. Okay, so that's NBC Nightly News, uh, August 16th, 2021. And if we look at the uh, live updates here from the New York Times, I see they updated it. Um, search for survivors after quake kills nearly 1,300. The 7.2 uh, magnitude earthquake was a devastating blow to a country still reeling from a presidential assassination. A tropical depression is expected to batter the island starting Monday. And let's see, nearly okay, uh, bracing. All right, nearly nearly 1,300 dead after Haiti earthquake, and the country is bracing for a tropical depression. Okay, so there's a brief update they have to this also. They updated August 16th. Uh, okay, so check out the uh, updates from New York Times as well. Now, U.S. sends search and rescue team to Haiti to help uh, search for survivors. Uh, they help search for survivors. The United States has sent a specialized uh, search and rescue team to Haiti to help extra extricate any survivors from the quake rubble an indication that haiti is poorly equipped for such an operation and that many trapped victims may still be alive the united states agency for international development the main provider of american foreign aid said sunday that the team was dispatched in response to a request from the haitian government the team from the fairfax county uh, fire and Rescue Department in Fairfax, Virginia is composed of 65 emergency responders and four dogs. It was carrying 52,000 pounds of specialized tools and equipment, including hydraulic machines that can break through concrete slabs, as well as drills and torches and emergency gear. Okay, so uh, check out these updates here. Uh, so they have information here. Here's what to know about the Haiti earthquake uh, also. Briefly, what happened, a 7.2 magnitude earthquake struck Haiti on Saturday, uh, August 15th, Saturday morning, August 15th. It was stronger than the 7.0 magnitude earthquake that devastated the country in 2010. The United States Geological Survey said the quake struck five miles from the town of Petit Trois-Denis, uh, uh, in the uh, western part of the country, about 80 miles west of Port-au-Prince, the capital. Seismologists said it had a depth of seven miles. It was felt as far away as Jamaica, 200 miles away. Okay. The earthquake was felt as far away as Jamaica, 200 miles away. 
Now, the uh, U.S. Tsunami Warning Center reported a tsunami threat because of Saturday's earthquake, but later rescinded it. Um, okay. And they show a map here also. Let's see here. Haiti surgeons operate with minimal supplies and patients recover in the parking lot. Okay, so read the rest of this here. Check this out. Check out the updates from Washington Post and New York Times. Uh, this information NBC News as well, but New York Times, Washington Post has better updates. Also, Miami Herald has some good updates. I've been looking at the updates. Uh, I'm subscribing to the Miami Herald as well. I guess I'm about to pay them some money also to uh, actually be able to access everything. I just renewed, I just renewed my subscription to Britannica.com, Encyclopedia Britannica. Uh, cause I use, I use information, some of the information when I teach my online courses and I use Encyclopedia Britannica for research. So I just started paying them yesterday. I guess I'm about to pay Miami Herald some money also. All right. Um, hey, if you like this type of information and you want to support the African History Network, dollar sign the AHN show through Cash App, dollar sign the AHN show through Cash App, also through PayPal, paypal.me forward slash the AHN show, paypal.me forward slash the AHN show. Also at our website, africanhistorynetwork.com, africanhistorynetwork.com. We're here six days a week. This us just keep doing the research, stay on the air, keep broadcasting, finance the show, pay some of the bills, et cetera. Um, also register for, so this is our official cash app account, dollar sign, the AHN show, S-H-O-W. And, it, and when you go to it, it shows my name, Michael, and shows my picture there. These other ones are fake African History Network Cash App accounts. I did not set these up. I don't know who set them up. That's not me. I've already reported them to Cash App. I'm trying to get them shut down. Uh, um, you can still register for the 10-week online course, the new one I teach on Saturdays. 3 p.m. to 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time from the Civil War to the Civil Rights Movement of Black Power, 1865 to 1968. As soon as you register, you can watch uh, classes one through four. We just did the classes past Saturday. And we do a history uh, after the Civil War ended and throughout uh, uh, the Civil Rights Movement and into the Black Power Movement, Jim Crow era, World War I, World War II, uh, et cetera. All right, so visit AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, and we'll post a link here also for that. All right, look, we have to get out of here. Remember, at the African History Network, we focus on educating, empowering, and inspiring people of African descent throughout the diaspora and around the world because right now it's correct wrong behavior. Uh, it's not over till we win. We're kind of forever. And we'll talk to you uh, tomorrow. And also, I'll see you all at the African World Festival in Detroit, Friday, August 20th through Sunday, August 22nd at the Charles H. Wright Museum of African American History. I'll have a vendor booth there. I'll be in the Peck Park area, the Peck Park area of um uh, i think it's down the street from brush but uh, it is er everything's outdoors everything's outside this year and i'll have a vendor booth in the peck park area we'll have updates at our website africanhistorynetwork.com all right talk to you later peace gain knowledge in minutes from insightful summaries of progressive and socially conscious books Blacklisted gives you access to curated content that'll satisfy your curiosity to learn and understand different perspectives. Empower yourself through inspirational and actionable ideas. It's easy to read or listen to on the go. Blacklisted. Empower yourself. Start your free trial today. Black on Purpose Television Network. Yes, Black on Purpose Television Network. All black. All positive, all the time.
the largest black-owned streaming television network in the world. Bringing our people together worldwide. Controlling our messages, our stories, our way. Black TV the way it should be. Black music, black history, and more. 30 plus channels, thousands of shows. Black on Purpose Television Network, subscribe now.